I would like to show my respect and acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which these interviews take place. I would also like to respectfully acknowledge the Wangal people, who are the traditional custodians of the land on which I live and work. There's been some beautiful examples because co-ops are so connected to community of the co-op just really swooping in and helping out communities, not only in COVID but in the bushfires right before. Um, so there were situations like often rural retailing cooperatives will run um, the service station and the IGA in a local town. And so you'll see the difference for the cooperatively run businesses in that they're, you know, opening the shop where a corporate might be, you know, a little bit more hesitant than the co-op will just be out there doing food deliveries and doing as much as they can um, in the area. I'm Prema, the host of this podcast, What Can We Do? In each episode, I speak to someone or an organisation that's making impact. You will learn about the issue, why it exists, the challenges, but most importantly, how you can be a part of the solution. My hope is that you can take away two to three tips each episode that will support you in your helping journey. Today I have with me Molly Kendall, who is in charge of business development and communication at the Co-op Federation. Hi Prema, thanks so much for having me. So as you said, I'm Molly and I work at the Cooperative Federation. So we're a peak body that looks after cooperatively run businesses in Australia. Before we kind of go into the organisation and the work it does, I thought we could start with the fundamentals. Uh, what is a cooperative or a co-op as it's more commonly known as? So a cooperative at its simplest, is just a different business structure. So it's a business structure that you can choose when you're setting up an organisation. And at its core, its difference is that it's democratically run. And what makes it unique is that it has that greater level of buy-in because it is really run by its members. And can any type of organisation be a co-op? Any organisation can be a cooperative. Um, there are both for-profit cooperatives and not-for-profit cooperatives, so whatever best suits what you're doing. Um, in not-for-profit cooperatives, um, it's more like a social enterprise, and in for-profit cooperatives, we'll call them distributing cooperatives. At the end of financial year, those profits, after you reinvest whatever you want to in the business, are distributed to the members so it's for profit, but it's sort of more equitable profit sharing basis. Um, but to your question, yes, any kind of business can be a cooperative. Usually they are in, they spring up in situations where there's a really strong need that needs to be pressing need that needs to be serviced. So in Australia, um, where they first sprung up was around dairy. So it was a really strong dairy cooperative movement in Australia because the dairy farmers couldn't afford to process their milk. So they basically came together and through those pool, they pulled their resources and they were able to process and market their milk as a collective, as a cooperative. So that's the, the basis of it. But yeah, now you see cooperatives in all different areas. So there's housing cooperatives. Uh, there are shops that are run cooperatively. There's childcare cooperatives, aged care. There's waste management cooperatives, um, irrigation cooperatives, farming, um, 
finance cooperatives, so just all, all sorts. What are some of the sort of more prominent cooperatives that perhaps people might know of? Mm. So some of the bigger ones um, are the agricultural and farming cooperatives. The biggest cooperative in Australia is CBH, which is Cooperative Bulk Handling. They're grain growers in Western Australia. Um, so they, they grow and export grains of all kinds, mostly wheat, and they're owned by the farmers. Um, they've got a long history and um, they've managed to basically buy all of the infrastructure for the whole supply chain to get their wheat from the farms to the end point consumer. So they own the um, silos where they keep the wheat. They own the trains that transport the wheat. They own the train tracks. They own the um, warehouses at the ports and they own the ships. So they've really done an excellent job over the years of securing all of those supply chains. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they really were able to weather um, financial storms like, you know, recessions or what's just happened with COVID. If we looked at the history of co-ops, um, when did co-ops come into prominence here in Australia? And what is Australia's co-op environment or landscape like compared to perhaps uh, countries like the UK where there's a stronger cooperative sector? There was that strong growth um, starting around the dairy cooperatives in Australia um, and that was sort of the, the post-war era There was, um, and that was largely about um, combining forces, pooling resources. Um, for example, one of our co-ops, the plumbers supply cooperatives, they sell plumbing, plumbing supplies to plumbers and that uh, sprang up after in World War II. They just couldn't get access to those supplies that they needed, like the copper and the hot water heaters. And so they formed this cooperative to be able to import those, those things and do their plumbing work. Um, so there was a big boom around that time and then there was a strong move towards demutualization, sort of in the 90s where there was that really strong corporate focus. Um, and a lot, a lot of cooperatives in Australia demutualized at that point. So they disbanded. Um, and there's, and it's slowly been building, um, since sort of the, the mid nineties. Um, it's come back. So we're really growing now, but we are sort of behind on a global scale. Globally, there, uh, the cooperative sector is huge. They're, they're massive in the UK. They're very well known in the, um, US as well as a really strong growing worker cooperative movement with about 450 worker co-ops and they're sort of the the smallest part of the whole cooperative landscape is those worker-owned cooperatives. Um, So very strong there. Um, There's a region in Spain called Mondragon. The entire region and surrounds are cooperatives and so basically every business within that small town in the Basque region um, is a cooperative and they even move workers between like say you were working at the the fridge production factory and you know was started starting to feel your age you might get moved over to whatever cooperative business was more suitable for you so it's pretty amazing how big it can grow and how supportive that network can become but yeah we're, we're making up for lost time now there's a huge resurgence in interest in cooperative business models now in Australia was the co-op federation then formed to kind of meet this trend yeah, so the Cooperative Federation was, was formed in the early 90s and 
We were formed because, um, so we have member cooperatives who join up with us and then we support them with their business needs, which for a cooperative is a lot of it revolves around democratic governance, running things as a group, but just basic business services that most um, businesses need like board governance and um, strategic planning. So we we sprung up to meet that need and originally the Co-op Federation was Co-op New South Wales, Federation of Cooperatives New South Wales, um, and then we just started getting members from Queensland and Victoria and, yeah, now we have grown to have cooperatives in most of the eastern states um, and, a, yeah, a really wide range of cooperatives. You talked a bit about um, that you provide co-op these sorts of services. Are these services co-ops perhaps cannot get in a mainstream commercial sense and you're giving tailored support? Yeah, so there's not a lot of uh, learning. There's not a lot of education in Australia, so that's one of the reasons the Federation exists is to um, educate around cooperatives but also lobby government for um, a bit more knowledge in those areas like lawyers don't learn about cooperative structures in their when they're doing their law degrees and accountants don't learn about how to do bookkeeping for cooperatives so there's a real need for specific knowledge in those areas which is the niche we fill. How do you deliver this support um, outside of sort of advice do you have events do you bring I guess the different co-op sectors together we have a annual conference. We call it the Federation Assembly. So we bring co-ops from all around Australia. That's a wonderful um, event for our member cooperatives because often they feel a little bit misunderstood in their cooperative nature and being able to meet up with a, I don't know, completely different business that's also run cooperatively is really fantastic. And we extend that to anyone who's interested in the co-op model. Um, yeah, in terms of our education, we do sort of 101, what is a co-op? And we've got an upcoming event at Melbourne Knowledge Week where hopefully we'll be able to reach out to the public and get people really involved in what does it mean to make decisions as a group and how could we possibly run a business together? So those kind of events, education events. What is the benefit of a co-op uh, in today's context? So with sort of all the social issues facing different people, uh, rising inequality, you know, and access to affordable housing or access to good jobs. In that sort of context, what are the benefits of being part of a cooperative? At its heart, I think we all do better when our ideas are listened to and lead to real change. So to me, that's the real fundamental advantage of the cooperative structure and it seems so timely now. There is a, a huge housing crisis. So housing cooperatives solve a massive problem that we've got in society. And you see it in the kinds of cooperatives that are springing up now. There's a huge um, interest in regenerative land practice and farming cooperatives, land share cooperatives, so making better use of unused land in Australia, um, migrant services, so really welcoming um, migrants and refugees and finding them channels into the workplace. Um, in industries that are typically exploited, I think there's a real opportunity for bolstering worker rights in worker-owned cooperatives. So there's a fantastic worker-owned cooperative 
called The Cooperative Life, and that's an aged care cooperative which is run by the care workers. So in those kind of industries, also with gig work, you know, there's been a lot of attention paid to the exploitative practices of food delivery drivers um, and Uber drivers. Uh, So in that space, the taxi cooperatives and gig worker cooperatives, there's a great opportunity for Australia there. Um, There's fantastic examples from overseas. My favourite is a cooperative called Smart, which is operating in a few different European countries. And so they do... They're a cooperative that looks after artists and musicians, so gig workers, and they do all of that back-end bookkeeping, um, debt collection, all of the boring stuff basically so the artists and musicians can just go off and do their thing and their membership fees pay for all of that that infrastructure, um, yeah, through the economies of scale that are created. So. That's a a fantastic solution that I would love to see implemented in Australia. But the other thing is um, our ageing population in Australia. There's a lot of small business owners who are now coming to the age of retirement and they don't necessarily want to be bought out by a, a conglomerate. So there's a real opportunity for the workers to actually buy those businesses and keep them running in the spirit that they were formed in. So I think that's a big opportunity for co-ops too. What are some of the misconceptions people have about co-ops? Um, it's funny because not a lot of people have heard the word and they probably associate cooperatives with whatever context that they have heard about them in. So maybe it was their mum's, you know, their mum used to shop at a food co-op and that's so that in their minds it's just for food shops. Or So I think we do often get boxed. Um, in ways that aren't all-encompassing like the sector is. Um, And I think there's probably, because people haven't heard the word so much recently, that people think they're a bit old-fashioned and not really, you know, suitable for today's youthful, you know, growing entrepreneurial social enterprise world. But, yeah, I would really counter that. There's all of the calls that we get with people starting up amazing new cooperatives and that's our job to tell those stories. So it's a wonderful position to be in. But, um, yeah, there's such an opportunity for um, young, new groups to take on this model. Um, if I can chuck in another example, one of I, I recently interviewed um, a game developer cooperative in Sydney. And they're, so they're the first worker-owned um, game development cooperative in Australia they're called Inflorescent Games, and I was interviewing Matea, who's one of their founders, and he was saying that the, the game development industry um, is quite extractive and that someone in management will make a sort of arbitrary uh, deadline, and if they don't meet that deadline, everyone just works, you know, 12-hour days, six days a week, and it's called crunch. And then after about three months of this crunch, it becomes a death march and at that point it's not about who's going to, you know, quit. It's about who's going to be left over at the end. So, you know, seeing those new kind of game console development cooperatives, they're young and dynamic. So it really is a model for the future and it brings me so much encouragement and um, 
joy, really. One interesting new development in the cooperative realm is this thing called platform cooperatives, which is a technology platform, so either an app or a website that that facilitates the cooperative doing its business. So there's a great example in um, New York of uh, drivers coming together, the drivers co-op, um, and they're sort of challenging and taking on Uber and Lyft. And so that platform is what facilitates the cooperation. But I think there's a lot of scope there for things like Twitter owned by the users and Facebook owned by the users where the members or the users actually get to decide how much of their data they want to be released and how the platform operates, what the algorithms do, how many ads they have. And all of those profits that are being extracted really can be reinvested to setting the parameters for what the users want. Is the Cooperative Federation also involved in in ensuring the future of the co-op sector, ensuring that it thrives and grows? Yeah, absolutely. So sector development is one of the reasons that we exist. We really want cooperatives to grow more and more and for people to realise they're an option and choose them when they start new businesses or or not-for-profits. So um, one of the key principles of cooperatives is sharing, so that cooperation amongst cooperatives. So there's a lot of a lot of what we do is just solving the problems of one cooperative with a solution from another cooperative and those um, creating those networking events and one-on-one connecting cooperatives um, really helps the sector to thrive. Uh, you mentioned earlier that there are seven principles that um, I guess guide the co- co-op philosophy. Hmm. Uh, what are those seven principles? Yeah, so the principles talk about things like democracy would be the number one important thing, so one member, one vote, and that means that power can't be hoarded, um, through, you know, in a few shareholders that maybe are far away from where the cooperative is operating so that the members, one member equals one vote is really important. Um, they also talk about autonomy and independence. So if the co-op was to get money from funding bodies, that they can only do so if it doesn't compromise the ability of the co-op to democratically govern. Um, things like cooperative amongst uh, co-op, cooperation amongst cooperatives, concern for community, um, and also education. So that commitment to educate about um, about cooperatives, but more so uh, communicate and educate your members about the importance of that, of being involved and being an active member. What are the barriers to really strong growth within the sector to become uh, comparable to, to UK or Europe here in Australia? I think the barriers are around that lack of knowledge, which is a big part of, you know, our job. So as, you know, understanding grows and maybe people that are putting out grants, you know, start getting these applications from cooperatives and then they have to check the rule book, is this okay that cooperatives apply? So there are all those kind of barriers which we play an active role working with the registrars or the funding bodies to say, no, we do exist and we are a, you know, we are a viable business option. Um, so that that's a barrier that would be just 
I think it's going to be slow and steady. Um, and similarly to the way, you know, the cooperative sector will grow, it will be a slow, steady um, growth because they generally are a slower grow. Um, they have greater longevity, as we were talking about, but that foundation and decision-making in the early stages means that it's sometimes a slower process to get going and growing. So, yeah, I have great faith that we'll slowly repopulate <laughs> the business landscape, but, um, yeah, slowly but surely, I think. As with any sector or any industry, uh, there was, I mean, COVID-19 would have impacted the way a sector grew or changed. What are the impact of COVID-19 on the co-op sector? Any kind of trends that you've seen or observed? I've noticed a huge resilience within the cooperative sector. Um, there's been some beautiful examples because co-ops are so connected to community of the co-op just really swooping in and helping out communities, not only in COVID but in the bushfires right before. Um, so there were situations like often rural retailing cooperatives will run um, the service station and the IGA in a local town. Sometimes there'll be that cooperatives will be the whole heartbeat of a lot of regional towns in Australia. And so you'll see the difference for the cooperatively run businesses in that they're, you know, opening the shop where a corporate might be, you know, a little bit more hesitant and following more um, bureaucracy bureaucracy in those areas and the co-op will just be out there doing food deliveries and doing as much as they can um, in the area. So we saw it then and I think we're seeing it in the kinds of cooperatives that are springing up now. Um, one of our co-ops that had huge success during COVID was the Free Range Family Cooperative, which is a, um, it's run out of Queensland, southwest Queensland, and it was started by a vet who was going around to um, farmers' properties and really seeing the conditions of the animals um, and were not great and really trying to improve the, the outcomes for animals um, in those areas. And so she formed this cooperative with a group of farmers to really invest in improving the, those conditions. Um, and... They saw a huge boom in interest around that COVID when people started seeing there's no food on the shelves and then questioning, where does my food come from? And I want to make more ethical choices about where I'm getting my food. And so a lot of our, our food co-ops really did boom during those, those times because people started putting their money where their mouth is and buying more ethically. What are three things people need to think about or have in place? if they want to start a co-op? The three things I would say are a pressing need, a solid crew, and a mind of cooperation. And I think the people that choose cooperatives are coming to them in a spirit of cooperation, um, which means that it often goes quite smoothly because they're there for a purpose. And it's really interesting. I think one of the big societal barriers that we come up as a sector against as a sector is this idea that how could it possibly work having these humans coming together and making decisions as a group? You know, there's this such a fear about that and a real gravity towards this story of, oh, it'll never work out. Personal differences will, you know, 
mean it'll blow up within a year. And, you know, we really forget that the reason that us as humans have continued and thrived on this planet is our ability to come together and cooperate. So, yeah, and that the people that join co-ops are coming with a spirit of cooperation. So it's a it's a pleasant surprise once you, you get in amongst it and you start seeing the benefits. But yeah, it's so funny that societal discourse thing about it could never work. What does the Cooperative Federation have planned uh, for the rest of the year? Any key events people can come uh, can go and check out? Yeah, absolutely. If you're already in a cooperative, we're running cooperative governance. Um, training in a few different states. So we've got uh, Brisbane coming up um, on the 1st of April. Um, we have Melbourne Knowledge Week coming up on the 14th of May. And then our event at Melbourne Knowledge Week, which will be for the public, sort of what is a co-op um, event, is on the Saturday, so the 15th of May. Then we have our uh cooperative assembly so that's in august the 5th and 6th of august uh, and that's in sydney so if you can get along to sydney it's a smorgasbord of inspiring co-ops coming together and chatting about what they do i highly encourage you coming along to that and yeah we'll have lots of locals we'll have some great panels i think that showcase some of those newer uh younger cooperatives and also the old stalwarts of the cooperative sector which is really that strong basis um, yeah, oh, I'm thinking about all these other exciting co-ops that I should have told you about, but you've got me going now. <laughs> Why is the work that the Cooperative Foundation does? Why is that? Why is its work so important? Because I think we need a new model for how to do business. The entire corporate structure is based on profitability and extracting as many dollars as you can. And we really need to shift that to put money back into our communities and create less harm along as we do our business in our everyday life. And I think cooperatives give people that option. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe or follow it on social media. Your support will help this podcast reach more listeners. This podcast is produced by Samoham Media.